0: Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Doing Good, where we celebrate those who are doing good. Doing Good is a 501c3 nonprofit, but shares the stories of volunteers who are out there already making a difference. We highlight them to thank them and give them well-deserved recognition. And we also give all their agencies visibility with you, their listeners. Doing Good is a nonprofit, so if you'd like to visit the website, Get involved or even donate, please visit www.doinggood.tv as in television. Today's episode begins a new season of this podcast. The main difference is we now have an educational segment when the guest informs and even teaches you and me about his or her passion. After all, our thoughts and understandings about each cause are probably slightly different, yet we probably think the other person sees exactly what the other sees. So, this new segment gives us an opportunity to have the same common understanding. Now, to get this episode rolling, Natalie, would you tell the listeners a little bit
1: about yourself and who you are? Sure. And thank you so much for inviting me, Megan. I'm just honored. To be recognized for work that I do, and I'm just doing my part as a citizen to contribute. Uh, someone who has worked in the journalism profession for a number of years, uh, 25 plus years, and I was a person who wrote about public affairs. So I gained, a you know, an appreciation for what goes on in our world, and our environment, local, state, and national, and even global through my work as a journalist. And along the way, uh, I, I guess I, I didn't even realize it, but later in life, about midlife, I began to realize that I have a real appreciation and, and passion for, for history because we need to understand what happened in the past in order to understand the present. So more and more, it seems that I, I, be, I began to have a desire to write about historical events and to write about them in a way that explains the present. Um, That's how I got into volunteering. Perfect. Thank you so much. So
0: if that's what got you into volunteering, what keeps you there? What keeps you
1: volunteering day to day? Oh, definitely. It's a rewarding experience. People who might not not, uh, otherwise not know about a person or place that's right in front of them will appreciate that you have enlightened them on something that they didn't know and how it it, it actually has bearing on their, their own individual life. So yeah, it's, it's rewarding and it gives me satisfaction in knowing that I am supporting an a, an event or a a, uh, a need that um, otherwise might otherwise not have that help. So it, it gives me appreciation. It gives me personal satisfaction in life satisfaction that I'm doing something that matters.
0: Well, and the reason that um, or how we found you and found out about you is about this month's push on making sure people are aware of African American history and all that goes into it. And so this passion of history, this helping other people understand what happens, can you give us examples of how people can volunteer in regards to history? Because to me, I know that sounds very abstract. Like, how can I do that that's in the past?
1: So the very first step begins with family. Genealogy is a a research practice that uh, many people use to learn about their family history. And, you know, it's a matter of going through records, birth records, death records, family trees, using ancestry.com. The practice of genealogy now has become so much more, uh, records have become so much more accessible than they were prior to the digital transformation 10 or 15 years ago. Many of these records are now at your fingertips. Getting into history, I think, is a natural growth from doing genealogy, researching your family history.
0: So then, like, what are examples of, because one thing I love about what you've said is that with genealogy, you just start at home. You start with the people who are truly around you every day. And you don't even have to go anywhere. But now for the volunteering in regards to history. Where do you suggest people go or what are things you have done or with agencies you have volunteered with in the past that really helps people grasp
1: what they can do as well? Well, I would say um, first off with where would you go to volunteer? I started with an historical society, a genealogical society. So often you will find people who are doing genealogy work in groups and they're part of an historical society that is a beginning step. You could you could do that. And there's always work to be done. You never finish <laughs> with genealogy. It's one of those things that it's forever. You're finding new and different things. And now with the DNA ancestry search, it's just infinite how many uh, levels of tiers of your family history that you can now access um, and learn about. The other place that you could go would be your local library, your local library, also your county courthouse, where they keep the historical documents, probate court records, keeping them organized. And now in this age of digitization, a lot of archives, county and state government archives are digitizing their records. And it's a very work-intensive, labor-intensive process. So uh, I know, for example, here in Nashville, at the Metro Nashville archives, they are actually digitizing a lot of their county property records. Okay. And so this has to do with like wills, probate, when someone, let's say former slave owner, was going to will their property to another family member, that, you know, they write it out in a will it would, have to, it, would have, it would have to go through the court to be legal. And so all those records are in these old books and they're starting in Metro Nashville to go through there and p- pick out the names that you legally have to literally have to go through and read each each deed or will to get exactly the list of, of items that were being willed to the next thing, next next, uh, family member. And so, um, it's a very tedious process, but they're doing that to primarily, uh, determine, or I guess support African-American genealogists because often the most difficult part of the genealogical process for African-Americans is determining from whom they were descended prior to the civil war, because those records are For for one thing, most African-Americans were, were, you know, deemed as property, and so they were listed as property in these wills and deeds. Um, And names were not always uh, present, but sometimes they were. So I'm saying all that to say that would be a great place, your county local, where they keep the records, where they keep court records, uh, historical court records, that would be an excellent place right now, especially with the, with the rush to try to digitize records to go and volunteer your time.
0: That'd be amazing. And then too, I'll say, because you've, you've segued so beautifully into this educational segment, if I can just ask you another quick question about, I'll say, to educate me about African American history, what would you share with me as, I'll say, a basic 101 introduction?
1: So African-American history is American history. It has come a long way to be accepted in that way because it's going to cover a lot of things that are not covered in our traditional American history about the Civil War, the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World War I, and all those, all those things. But African-Americans have actually fought in all of those wars from the Revolutionary War going forward to find the names and the stories of the African-Americans that were there is a continual process. Uh, certainly those that fought in the civil war and the revolutionary war, but there are records of where revolutionary war soldiers are buried. And some of them are buried in areas that are historically black African-American communities, rural African-American communities, uh, especially, um, down around um uh, like Mississippi, Alabama, where there was a Spanish American War and there were a lot of different people that lived in the in the uh the old South uh prior to the Civil War. Some a lot of them were free. So not to say that all African Americans are descended from the enslaved. Uh, there were many uh African Americans who were free and who were, who were able to buy their freedom legally. So of course, the vast majority, you know, were enslaved, but there were those uh, certain individuals who were free and often their stories are are documented.
0: Wow. And so I'm guessing that through your volunteerism that you're finding out more and more of these stories. Is there one that you could share with us?
1: So I've been talking about the wars, the various um, wars. Fort Negley, I would say. Here in Nashville. I grew up here in Nashville and never knew about Fort Nagley until I was an adult. And actually, um it's a different time here in Nashville. There's a lot of development going on. So um, in terms of disturb you know, disturbing places that had never been developed, you have a lot of that going on now. And involved or included in in that are, are areas that were historically black. So, uh, for example, in Williamson County, there was a cemetery that was actually completely bulldozed and the family, it was a family cemetery, uh, Brentwood area. And so, uh, the area was called hard scuffle. It was a, there were a lot, there were two primary black communities in the, what's now called Brentwood, um, prior to, 80s, going back to the early 19th century. And so um, this family, the Scruggs family, uh, discovered, well, they knew that their property had been bulldozed. And so they had to get an attorney to basically reinter, well, first of all, to identify and to recognize that that had been a black burial ground. They got a, a, first of all, the first step they took was to get a historical marker. So you have, you have this going on with black and white, I might say, uh, especially small family cemeteries that aren't marked or that aren't uh, deeded in the... The deed records have not been updated in the county courthouses, and so people don't know where these things are. So, but there are uh, laws that uh, developers are bound to by the state when they find human remains, they're supposed to stop all, all of their work, all of their construction or development work, and consult the state as to what to do next. Uh, so, But you asked me to tell a story about my experience dealing with African-American history. I follow a lot of this because I'm involved in an African-American genealogical society. It's a, a national organization called OGS, AAHGS, A-A-H-G-S. At Dan for African American Historical and Genealogical Society. It's based in Washington, and there are local chapters in various cities around the country. So I'm a part of the Nashville chapter. I'm a board member, and I plan programs for Odds Nashville. And we have an annual program that focuses on African American burials, cemeteries, cemetery preservation, and I was so pleased that Graham Perry mentioned my name to you. That's how I got to know him. He is the he is a staff person at the Tennessee Historical Commission, whose job is to document all of the cemeteries in Tennessee, which is uh, quite a quite a responsibility. He's building a database that will include all of the cemeteries in the state. Uh, something called Arcus. And you can go to their website, uh, the Tennessee Historical Commission website, to learn more about this. Uh, it's a developing project, um, but they've made quite a b- bit of progress.
0: Well, and what's interesting to me, or um, what I want to point out to people who are listening, is that no, this is the Tennessee Historical Commission. It's a government agency, and there are volunteers with it who are working with it to achieve its mission. So... It's not just nonprofits, um, and I think that that's worth noting, that's all. Um, well, this is amazing. This is such a there's such a depth of information that it's almost like a black hole or Pandora's box. Maybe that's what it is. Once you open a door, there's an, there are another many doors that open and one leads into so many more. So which is pretty exciting, I think, if you're into history and gene- genealogy and are curious about the past. So what would you say that you get out of volunteering?
1: I, I like the idea, you know, which I've developed uh, this um, desire to bring about understanding where there is none and to contribute to collective experiences where people see the common, the common ground that we have. And, um, that to me is, um, one of the reasons worth living if I'm contributing to society, doing something to uh, to better society.
0: Do you have any stories that you recall or that stick out in your head from your experience? Did you have an aha moment? Did you have just a feeling of either service or of either giving or receiving that really stuck out for you as a volunteer
1: In terms of cemeteries, my own family, I've had been touched by the development and the way that someone's cemetery can be demolished or damaged. And so my uh, paternal side of my family is, ancestors are in Cheatham County. So uh, on my dad's side of the family, we are descended from the enslaved some of the enslaved of Montgomery Bell, um, which most Tennesseans know that name. Uh, He was um, known as an iron master. And in the pioneer days of Tennessee, the state of Tennessee, early 19th century, late 18th, early 19th century, he came here and started an iron business, iron business on the Cumberland River, whereby, Iron ore was cultivated and sold to other companies and up and down the river. And so, um, and of course, uh, slave labor helped to fuel that business. And so there's an area of Dixon County and Cheatham County where there's a lot of African Americans focused in that area. And um, many of them are are descendants of the slaves who were brought in to fuel Montgomery Bell's business so I am still tracing my roots to know exactly the names, but my dad comes from a town called Belltown. It's on the southern border of Cheatham County bordering with Dixon County and it is known oral history is has it that it's called Belltown because it was known as a town of descendants of slaves of Montgomery Bell. So it was a post-emancipation town where there were a lot of those. Uh, After the Civil War, African-Americans were then often uh, on their own to start their own communities, which they did. And often you can identify these communities still today by there being a church, a school and a cemetery in these communities um, in various rural places around around the state. And uh, MTSU is doing some excellent work on that. And this helps to inform those who work in state agencies who are trying to find the historical evidence, you know, of the the cemeteries, especially. Some of the schools are still in existence and some of the churches. Uh, But, you know, as migration occurred and people moved towards cities, some of these towns have been abandoned. And that's what happened to Belltown. So the blacks who started the community and established it had a school there. Uh, by the, I would think the mid 20th century, most of them had moved away. And, and so the only thing that was left was a cemetery. So over time, the county, Cheetah County ch- sold the land to someone. And uh, it was a a, com- a, a family, family owned business. And they built a new development on this, gr- on this, what had been historically black community and the cemetery was basically vandalized and because there was no appreciation for it, because there was nobody around who was still from the black community still there. And they basically desecrated that, that uh, cemetery actually about, about let me see, it was in 2017. One family went to the cemetery, the cemetery is still there. You know, they knew where it was, wanted to go there to honor the grave site of one of their family members. There were various families that were from this bell town Mm -hmm, and they were not allowed to go in. They were not allowed to go in. The land had been sold to uh, someone else and they were not allowing people to go into the cemetery. It was, it was um, very, very, you know, traumatizing and, and upsetting to read about sure. it. It was something that was in uh, the news and so forth. And so this was Belltown, a, ser- a community that my dad, I knew had been born there. And so, um, and had lived, you know, as a young boy in this community before his family migrated into Nashville. So in terms of an experience, you're asking me to describe an experience. I, it, when it first happened, when I first learned of it, was, you know, certainly was something that struck me like this can't be that somebody's not being allowed to go into their cemetery. And so later it was two or three years later that I was able to spend some time. I wasn't at the time when I first heard about this, I was involved in other things, but it was something that I felt, uh, I wanted to do something about if I could to help save the cemetery and so I reached out to the family that had been turned away and I've been working with them to develop a friends group oh, whereby great. we can uh, preserve the cemetery, get a gate or put a gate up around it. I mean, that's the goal. Oh, uh, yes. But what you have here is, I mean, when someone's buried, um, you know, in a, in a, a grave, a grave site, often African-American cemeteries are, are not, you know, in the center of town where they're marked and um, people know where they are. And has, as time has moved on, we're now in the 21st century, they're forgotten cemeteries. and they're, but how, However, uh, we have to honor these cemeteries. Uh, they're reminders of our public memory of, this, of the enslaved. If the cemetery has people buried in it before 1950, it probably includes the graves of former slaves, and so, and, and and so, certainly that would be someone you know buried that person there, and and in honor of that person to memorialize that person. And so, I think we as a society should honor th- that person as we would any other, uh, the grave of any other person.
0: That's beautiful. That's beautiful, and I would think too with all of the readings, getting your hands on the actual documents and seeing people's handwriting and really being in as in touch with history as anybody could be. I would think that that only adds layers to what you're saying about, about as a society
1: where we are versus where we should be. Right. Um, often African-American Burials are not marked with a gravestone. Some of these graves were at a time where a person was buried at a time when there was no money for a gravestone. So they may have put a piece of pottery on that person's grave. So in some of the older African-American cemeteries, you may find that. You may find that. And the only way to determine the names of all the people there is to look at death records and where, they were, where the, where the uh, person was buried according to their death record. And there's a way to search databases, you know, according to cemeteries. There's um, Find a Grave and those uh, national and international databases that have grown with the growth of technology are a good place to start they don't always include all, uh, all graves. You you can't assume that they include all graves and they're still building their database. So another way of volunteering, which I've, I've done uh, some of it is to go into cemeteries and document graves, take a picture of it and send it to find a grave to help document the location of graves, the picture of it, and it's a pictorial, pictorial uh, database so you can put in the name and find, the you know, if, if, if it has been recorded, the name of the person uh, who was buried there and, and, you know, birth date and death date and that sort of thing. That's terrific
0: that people can just step out and do that
1: without, oh, yeah. I'll
0: say, any process or red tape to go through in order to help and to preserve not only that person's memory and treat them honorably but also to show respect to their family and their descendants even those that haven't come yet now is there one i'll say story or maybe an idea you have that you have not gotten across yet that you would like to share
1: with the listeners today as closing thoughts final thoughts i would i would fi- finish uh finalized my comments by saying, um, again, that these graveyards are visual reminders of our public memory. And in the case of African-American cemeteries that include burials prior to 1950, it's our visual reminder of the enslaved that are buried. Some of them would be buried in a cemetery with burials prior to 1950. Um, And they exist because our ancestors desired to memorialize those buried there. And so out of respect for the lives that were lived, the lives that were lived sometimes in unjust circumstances, um, it's a part of, I think, our public effort to, uh, you know, a societal effort to bless those uh, souls so that they would forever rest in peace and in power for the life that they lived.
0: It's beautiful. Thank you so much. I can't tell you how appreciative I am that you're here and that you're, you've are you shared all of this, your heart and your mind with us. This isn't really been enlightening to me, Natalie, and I appreciate you doing this. And I'm willing to say that I'm sure listeners out there too feel the same way. So thank you for your time and and all you do. And I'm guessing there is so much more that you do and have done that we have no idea about. But it'll be exciting to, I'll say, stay in touch with you and find out what the future holds for you regarding history. So thank you so much. I do appreciate you. And thank you for your volunteerism. And thank you to today's listeners. I look forward to connecting with you in another podcast. But hopefully you'll see us online at Doing Good TV on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest and Instagram or our Doing Good YouTube channel or LinkedIn profile. Until then, keep celebrating those who are doing good.